being an independent comic book creator is um, 10 times harder than being a director. What's up, everybody? This is Karima, a.k.a. The Blur Girl, and this is The Blur Girl Podcast. This episode is being brought to you by Universal FanCon. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. What's up, guys? Today's interview is with Eric Dean Seaton. I know Eric as the comic book creator of Legend of the Montemagi, but his day job is actually as a Hollywood TV director and producer. He's worked on a lot of popular shows such as Living Single, That's So Raven, The Thundermans, Life in Pieces, the kids show Mech X4, and the new Raven reboot. In this interview, I talked to Eric about everything from what it's like being a director in Hollywood, to diversity behind the scenes, to being an independent comic book creator. Of course, his comic book, Legend of the Montemagi, and the new spinoff series, Legend of the Montemagi Bloodlines, which is coming out this fall. So up next, my interview with Eric Dean Seaton. Hello, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, how you doing? I'm good. Busy. Tell everybody, for the people out there who don't already know who you are, tell everybody who you are and what you do. Hey, my name is Eric Dean Seaton, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and I am a television director by trade. Uh, I started directing at Disney Channel probably 10, 11 years ago now and uh, moved into Nickelodeon and now branched out to do a lot of adult shows and really eclectic uh, directing career um, by day. And by night, I published my own graphic novel series called Legend of the Mantamaji. We have a new book called Legend of the Mantamaji Bloodlines uh, coming out later this year, but sneak previewed at Comic-Con for four days. Oh, nice. San Diego Comic-Con? Yeah, yeah. San Diego nice. Comic-Con. And then we may do that. And then, of course, New York Comic-Con. And then the book will come out after that. And then it'll be out later. But yes, by, by day, my full-time job is a television director. Um, and I do... I mean, the most recent thing I'm doing um, next week is the premiere of uh, Raven's Home. I did the pilot to Raven's Home. Ah, okay. That is, that's not a reality show. That is scripted. That's scripted. Okay. It's uh, Raven Simone. is the return... Um, to the original That's So Raven. I, that's where I started directing uh, 11 years ago. And uh, I ended up doing the pilot on the same week that I directed my first episode ever of television 11 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. What are some of the shows you worked on and what are some of your favorite shows that you've worked on? Oh my gosh, it's a huge list of different shows. Yes, um, we should tell everybody, go to IMDB and look up Eric Dean Seaton and you will learn all the things. Yeah, it's a long list. It's so hard to pick a favorite because getting the job has always been a favorite. Um, some, <laughs> of standout, some of the standout things I've done and are still doing. Uh, I'm going to do the Mick for Fox uh, in a couple in a couple months. Mm. Life in Pieces last year, and I'm doing two more this year. Um, I'm going to do Modern Family. Oh wow! Um, and then some. And I've done. I've spent three months in Canada last year doing a show that I loved called Mech X4 which is uh, Teenage Boys and a Giant Robot, because I grew up, you know, watching reruns of Johnny Sacco and all this other yeah. stuff. So to go live in Vancouver, we shot right down the street from Supergirl. I actually went to visit those sets because um, some of the people that worked on our show ended up, including the DP, went to work on that show, which was amazing to see those sets. But that was just, uh, I always, I used to love the X-File. Mm-hmm. So I was in Vancouver to work, like, and um, so 
So it took like, you know, that expo was a long time ago. But I finally got to go to Vancouver and do like, spend three months there. I loved it. Um, for the kids out there, I've done Raven. I've done Austin and Ali. Uh, I did the Thunderman's 100th episode two weeks ago. And oh, wow. Weeks- You're not getting sleep much. No, not, at all. not much. Not much. So uh, <laughs> it's a really eclectic, fun list. And um, it's only getting more so. And that's what inspires me as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like most people that get into film or TV are inspired by so many different things. Yeah. And what, you, and what I want to tell people is when you get in, and Denzel Washington said this, whatever you do three times, that's what people know you for. Yes. You get pigeonholed. Yes, you do. And, uh, I didn't realize that getting in because I didn't really have any mentors. Um, mm-hmm. Because where I got in, um, I got in on a children's network, you know, family programming. Where at the time, um, they were just growing his network. Most of the directors that were coming were nice, really nice gentlemen. Um, most of the gentlemen. Now, hopefully, they were getting more ladies out there, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were older, so they really weren't looking to help out. They weren't, no, I'm not saying anybody's mean, because they weren't. They were very nice people. But they weren't, nobody's going to take you under, take a young black guy coming up under their wing. Nope. Cutting into their thing. And, and the thing about being an artist is you never get tired of being an artist. A lot of artists are forced into retirement. Yeah. They don't, want to retire um with ageism and all these other silly things that they had so it was never i was never in a situation where i had sort of a mentor or somebody that took me under their wing so you kind of i kind of didn't know so i kind of got pigeonholed even though listen i was working every week like i you know tons of shows you know so it wasn't a bad pigeonhole but what i was saying was when you get inspired to do so many different things um which makes you want to be a director or a writer or actor mm-hmm. and all that, to, to only be able to do one for a period of time um it's a little disappointing. Yeah, um, it, is, so, it is frustrating because I, I yeah. remember years ago, um, I've been, I'm a commercial editor, commercial video editor, mm-hmm. and I did uh, a series of spots for L'Oreal, and then all of a sudden I was a beauty editor. I was like, but I just cut Ford. What are you talking about? Right. You know, they just right. can't see you like, oh, that's the last thing you did, you know, or if I did JCPenney, all of a sudden I was retail girl. You right. know, well, just, Editors in the same boat as a director because, in all honesty, editors and directors only get hired for what they've already done. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Where a writer can write something new, can new a comedy writer can wrote, can go write the greatest drama in the world, and if people like it, they're in. And an actor can audition for different stuff. Um, you still people still those divisions still get pigeonholed too, but not to the extent um, because a writer could struggle, 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 switch gears, and then when they go ask for a director, he's gonna look on the list. Of directors that have already done stuff because he wants to ensure his vision stays true, and the same thing for an editor. So uh, editors and directors is the two hardest field to uh, uh, get a, get something new that you haven't already proved yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's why a lot of spec stuff happens, mm-hmm. a lot of indie projects happen. You know, have you mm-hmm. done some documentary type stuff? I know you've done uh-huh. a little, you've done a little reality shows. I've done some reality. I did the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Um, uh, in New Orleans, and we did it in Texas, and that was a fun experience. And I did uh, um, the we shot. Well, I didn't direct it, but set up this behind the scenes for my Legend of the Maji live action mm-hmm. short. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I like I'm more a scripted person. I like storytelling. I okay. grew up I grew up going to movies a lot because uh, I was a Lasky kid and and watching a lot of um, television. I love stories. I loved adventures where I could put myself in that world, um, and that's more my style than say reality. But, you know, listen, I got a wife now, so we do sit and watch our reality and stuff. You know, <laughs> I, you know I kind of I got a vicinity of what's going on on The Bachelor and all that, you know. 
And uh, and before the wedding, we used to watch the Kardashians, but I had to check out after the wedding. That was, yes, that was that was it. That was it for me. Like you know, you're on the borderline with something. Yeah. It, 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 you know, in Hollywood, we call it jumping the shark. Yes. Uh, yeah, they they jumped the ocean. So that was it for me. I had, <laughs> so I they out. jumped the ocean. Yeah, I was out after that. So, now, you, know. I, you have both directing as well as producing. Did you also have creative director credit? Or is it um, directing and producing? It's more directing and producing, yeah. Can, mm-hmm. can you tell people what the difference is? Um, well, directing is what you think it is. Is your director, you set up your shots, you break down a script. You work with the actors and you end up creating a story. A producer kind of oversees that, but they're not involved in the day-to-day of directing. Um, but it's such a producer's medium. Well, you know, the best producer right now is uh, Kevin Feige, who does Marvel, never shoots anything. But he can sit there and watch those stories and know exactly what he's supposed to do. And the Pixar guys, all those producers uh, are fantastic, too. So there's, there's, you know, you don't, you, there's many different ways to make it in this business. Mm-hmm. It used to be just you think as an actor, uh, but yeah, we do need definitely. To be honest, we definitely need more producers and directors. Right. Well, you know, it's really funny. It's something that happened over the past couple uh, this week actually on Twitter, which was amusing. Was Lucy Liu was announced as the director of the pilot for the next season of Luke Cage, and people were like, yeah, well, "What happened first. to Cheo?" And it's like, Cheo's the showrunner. He's the showrunner. So for people He's- who don't understand what that is, what is the difference between a showrunner and a director? Showrunner is a writer-producer. He's, the, he's in charge of the scripts. He's the final say. And in television, he's higher than anybody. Except for the network, there's nobody higher than the showrunner. So right. uh, he, he writes, um, he has a writing staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's big or small because it's Netflix. And they write all the scripts. And he's in charge of the final word. Um, sometimes he'll rewrite people. Sometimes it's their scripts. Uh, he breaks down all the decisions that make the story. Lucy and everybody that gets hired... They come in and they for take their rep- episode for their episode yeah. only, mm-hmm. uh, and um, they you know shoot the show. Now there are a lot of shows that have producer directors, and basically what a producer director is is the liaison between the weekly director and the executive producer, and they are kind of in charge of the look. And they're you know they do a lot of the meetings that make sure because uh, these shows take so much time and so much effort. They yeah. kind of connect the dots between the two. A lot of shows have director producers. Um, I would say it used to be every show had one. Yeah. Some, show, some shows have gone away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need one in, say, multi-camera comedy. Multi-camera comedy, for people that don't know, that's like um, that's what Raven's going to be. And for, you know, um, if you think of the old things, like I'm about to say some real old stuff, but like Happy Days, All in the Family, uh, The Jeffersons, um, mm-hmm. Fresh, some that mm-hmm. people can Fresh Prince, Cosby, those were multi-camera comedy. You didn't have a director producer. You probably had a main. Oh, Big Bang. You you know like Mark Sandrowski is the main director on Big Bang. Mm-hmm. For the episode, he's not a director producer, but he would be if that genre did director producer. Right. Um, right. And what's so. so interesting about that is that the fact that there's all these different jobs. People think there's just like <laughs> you don't know how many times I talk to people that they think it's just. The director and the actors. I'm like, no. no. If you turn I'm, that camera around, there's like 150 people on that set. <laughs> exactly 150. But here's the best. Here's the best story I have on that. So my first job out here was a, I was a stage PA. So PA is the lowest job you can have. You were sweeping. Um, um, yes, I was on Living Single, <laughs> right? And, uh, <laughs> and so Queen Latifah uh, and Kim Coles were the two star main stars, and they had a favored nation deal. Basically, favored nation deal is whenever one got a raise, the other got the same amount, no matter what. 
right? So they made. They could, have used, now, they, they could have used that on Hawaii Five O, but I'm just. I'm I get just saying. it. <laughs> um, we'll get into that too. Uh, so they both made. I can say this now because they both made forty five thousand dollars a week okay. around in there, right? But this is what I learned about the business. This is for all the people out there. So they have these booms. You know, the boom is what catches the sound, right? Yes. So heavy set Caucasian man with a beard, checkered shirt, quietly would just push the boom every episode. Right. He made the same amount of money they did because he owned all the equipment. Yep. So here he was making the same amount of money they do in a non-assuming life, being able to go wherever he was. And guess what? He made it on that show. He had two or three shows. Yes. So he, probably, he probably made more. And that's when the one thing I learned about the business. Like, there's so many ways to make money that it doesn't have to be with your face. But your face will always get you pub. Like Lucy Liu directing the first uh, season two, first episode of Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. That was an article because Lucy Liu was doing it. Right. But guess what? They didn't have an article on who directed the first season, of the first uh, first episode of the first season, mm-hmm. or the second, mm-hmm. or the third, mm-hmm. or the tenth. You yep. know. So your face, if you got a name because she's a brand, that will give them some pub. Um, but it doesn't change. You know that yes. that's what acting does for you. But it doesn't mean that. You have to do that to get the episode. No, you're absolutely right. I knew a voiceover guy who was an actor, struggling actor, got a gig doing voiceovers, and I used to see him all the time. And he made a huge amount of money uh, with uh, both Nickelodeon being mm-hmm. their voiceover as well as Advil. And he said oh. he made his first million. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Saying three words: use oh. it, use is directed. Are you serious? I'm totally that, serious because what I they did that. was they it was recorded and then every editing house in the city and every producer had it. And every time it went a series of spots for Advil went to air, he got a check for wow. use as directed. He said, I put my kids through college on those three words. That's awesome. I met um <laughs> two Comic Cons ago, I met Kevin Williamson, I think that's his name. He does yes. all the black man. He does yes. all the voiceovers. Super nice guy. Yeah. I mean, I was just sitting there looking at him like this man is paid. Yeah, basically, basically. so nice, such a nice guy. But yeah, just does voiceovers. Just and does he's voiceovers. done voiceovers for comics for years. Years. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a clip of him doing one today for some uh, something on Nickelodeon. I'm not sure what it was. Him and, and he was doing a different voice. He wasn't just doing his normal deep power. No, no, no. Voice. Him and Phil Lamar. Like, him and yeah. Phil Lamar. Oh have, yeah, yeah, have yeah. it on lock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. and, and Cree Summer. Yeah, so three yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, I see. I've never seen Cree. I see Phil all the time. At the comic book conventions, and I and I seen um, Kevin at the big ones. I seen him at San Diego. I haven't seen him anything else. Yeah, transitioning now a little bit to the comic books now. So you were saying by day, I'm the director, and thank you so much I for know. explaining all that. But at night, you're like, but what I really want to be, because the the joke in Hollywood is like, what I really want to be is a director. You're a director that's like, what I really want to do is write comic books. It's the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> um, and see, what happened was growing up in Cleveland, my dad worked out of town, and he'd come home on the weekend. And he would take me to this coffee shop that had comic book. So I just grew up reading comic books. Like, you know, all these heroes. Like, what was your favorite? What was your favorite? Um, first book I ever read was Teen Titans number seven. I'll always wow. remember it because it was, it was the, um, the whole group uh, not in an action thing. And it was the first time mm-hmm. I saw Cyborg and just loved it. Um, this is going to make people, I don't think I ever told this story before, but he had gotten me some books. And um, he had gotten me the first X-Men when they rebooted the new X-Men, 
I can't find it this day. I have with, the one with, after that. But if they Chris rebooted Claremont, it in 96, the, the Chris I have 97. Claremont, when the Chris yes, Claremont yes, yes, I was yes. about to say that when you said Teen Titans and that they weren't fighting, that was what was so amazing about the Chris Claremont run because they had just lives. Yep. Like there were yep. high school kids that were like, like, you know, I broke up with my girlfriend or whatever. Yes, they had fighting. Yes, there was, you know, Sentinels. Yes, there were issues. But they were like kids in yep. school, like us. Okay, we age in ourselves, but you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> all right. No, and that's what I loved about it. And I also loved it because it's that it's a whole thing of comic books, how you, you dream of being a hero and all these dreams that you had, especially, you know, being black. You know, you don't even think you can kind of do that stuff. And to see it, it was, you know, it, it changed my world. So comic books all through high school, all the time. But when you went to college, I went to Ohio State, you know, big football school. I just kind of like moved away from it. Yeah. And I moved in, um, but I kept coming back to it. And then when I got on Living Single, the pres- the main director was married to the president of Marvel Comics. So they oh. brought me. Yeah, so they brought me to, they bought this company called, so I used, used to come every week to the tapings. I would drill him, everything, comic books, Marvel, Marvel, blah, 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 Stanley, all this other stuff. Um, and then one day they he said, I, we just bought this company called Malibu Comics. Come come on down, we'll give you a tour. Oh, came, wow. came down, and this, this part was crazy. So me and my buddy put on our suits, and, you know, we came down there, you know, looking all clean and everything. And uh, he was like, why are you guys all dressed right, up? They said, you making everybody nervous. That's your body yeah. in the place. Yeah, we thought we were about yeah, Exactly, exactly. I told you, yeah. And so at the end, they asked me, did I want to write a St- Spider-Man Stop the Violence special? I mean, that's like asking a basketball player wow. to play with LeBron. Like, yeah, you know, you're going to be crazy after that. So I had to do my own. And so no matter how far I moved away from it, I came back to it. And now it's actually... And not everybody gets that opportunity. I mean, yeah, not everybody no. gets the head of Marvel going, hey, you want to check out this small comic book company that I just bought, like, and maybe yeah. write a comic? Like, that's yeah. amazing, Eric. It is. So, it, and they just kept intersecting. And even now, I want to do the cut graphic novel. And then in the afterthought, I said, let's shoot the Mantamaji live action short. Even that has gotten me jobs because it's connected the dots. And now I'm going for full on 100%. Now I'm going to try to get into some of these superhero shows. And try and do some of this stuff that I've always. But you with. had, to, but you had to show them. That's the part that's. You have to show. You have, you have to, to show them. I have, I have tons of director friends now that are really good that um, are kind of stuck in certain genres because they um, haven't shown anything. You have to invest in yourself. You have to spend your own money and spend your own dream uh, to wake people up. No, you absolutely do. I actually um, the, remember I was telling you I got stuck being a beauty editor. Um, mm-hmm. A few of us um, put our money together years ago. And it, there was a, all of us had the same problem. It was a mixer, a DP, a director, uh, and a few other people, including myself, who all had the same problem. We could not get out of. None of us were getting um, dialogue spots. Yep. And so we found a writer who also wasn't getting one. He wrote a couple scripts, and we basically shot some spec scripts, and we all did it. And I and I cut it, and I put we put it on everybody's reel. I mean, it didn't get us a bunch of you know, didn't get us to can. But it did get us like other jobs, which was the point. But we had that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. And I can't stress enough. I can honestly say, you can look on my credits. I'm a steady working director. Yep. And I was, and I would have been forever in that same genre. But shooting my short for my own graphic novel has changed the world. That's amazing. You know. So now it's like, what's next? Yeah. You know. So So now let's let's get to that a little bit. So. Legend of Montemagi, now for those of you who don't know, I reviewed this comic. I love this comic. I think it's awesome. Um, and I'm excited about part two, but for people who don't know, tell us about 
the the elevator pitch for right. Legends of Montemagi. All right, Legend of Mantamaji is a three book, the original was a three book graphic novel series mm-hmm. about a Gallo conceited disc attorney who finds out he's the last in a race called the Mantamaji that used to protect us from the forces of evil. So he's the last person you ever want to be a hero has to defend us from an evil sorcerer who's been resurrected in New York City and is posing as a religious leader. Mm-hmm. So it's sword and sorcery set in modern day with a little bit of superhero overtones. Um, but people always think superhero because the main hero wears his body armor. And I just kind of went with it because, to be honest, there's still not that many. There, there aren't any di- really diverse heroes. All the ones that we're getting excited about have been around forever, and we're finally getting to see them. But I think I think when Montemagi actually first dropped, there weren't uh, as many no. that were as visible as yours and with the quality that you put into it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Now, there's, now I would say that you kind of helped set that bar yes. and there's a yeah. lot more that are out now yep. but yeah when you first dropped that i was like i can name maybe on one and i'm not saying there weren't a lot of comics out but you had the quality even of the book even the paper like yeah. you could use the heavy stuff like yeah. <laughs> yeah well that was the goal the goal was to do everything i saw the big boys doing um because why can't we you know right. what i mean like why, why can't we you know um people made a big deal about uh uh, Patty Jenkins directed Wonder Woman and it was the first one. Um, it, it, that's wonderful, but it said it had to make a big deal. She should have been the fifth one. They should, you know, why couldn't exactly? You know I mean? And I love why, you know what I mean? Yeah, she did so, actually really well. I'm like, did anybody see any other movie that she's ever done? Because okay, like it was, <laughs> right. yeah, and it's 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 um it's also a gift and a curse. She should not have been the first one. And then th- there's always that thing that always happens whenever you announce something like that and people go she's not the first one that's not possible this is 2017 and then you go wait yeah so it's one of those things like you don't know i i call it like the highlander syndrome like there can be only one but nobody realizes there's only one so they look around they realize oh there's no no one else here okay (laughs) oh it's a trip i you and listen working in the business you forget it um one of the shows i love to do is called uh nikki ricky dicky don it's on nickelodeon Mm -hmm. Uh, or white quadruplets. Uh, and so um, I'm really cool with the parents on the show. And the mom, Allison, had a baby. Um, and so we got together as a crew and did a little video. And it, and it wasn't until I looked at that video, like there's like just specs. There's like me yeah. and the DP and and the executive producer is one of my closest friends. It's, you know, if there's no racism thing about it, but you just realize how few and far between and you don't even think about it. There's maybe four of us in a spec, and then we and yes. we all wear white shirts, so it really like stood out. <laughs> and, it may, and, it, and it's funny, like I, I've done this show 19 times more than anybody else, right? Um, and I, it made me go, "Wow, it's still we're yeah. still not yeah. everywhere people think we are." Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's trip, it's a trip. No, but it's a trip. long it's, way it's, to go. It's funny because I'm actually going to be at San Diego Comic Con. Oh yeah! But not as the blur girl. I'm actually going to be editing for Sci Fi Channel. Newsflash, oh. guys. Um, but yeah, I'm be the only one in that yeah. room or the show. Oh. oh my gosh! Yeah, you will. <laughs> Are you doing the live show? Are you doing the live show? I get my assignment next week. I just know oh, okay. I. I, I get all my the footage the day before i don't know they may have the person who did the live show do it again um this year because they've done right. it i mm-hmm. think that they definitely needed it it's funny because i was hired because we need an editor that understands comics and knows right. comics i'm like i could probably do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's but and i again 
the people hiring me aren't even thinking. I know they're not thinking, oh, we need a woman editor. Oh, we need. They're not thinking about that because you know when you have a deadline, those type deadlines where you have uh, like promos and things like that that have to go out same day. You could be purple as long as you get that. Job, yeah. They don't but, care. But what that's what makes it so hard for us because yeah. they they should care, but they don't care because they don't have time. They don't have time. And it's, not a, it's not an insult on them. You'd be surprised. I, I just saw this clip that J.J. Abrams said. They had this whole, whatever agency is at, it's William Morris. Yes, or, I think big, Whatever Morris, the big ones. Yeah. They had this um, diversity CIA. thing, diversity day. And uh, he cast some movie that's coming out. And they, when he went into the casting, they were like, well, why didn't you look for anybody black? And they go, well, it's World War II. Oh, oh, it's a movie about zombies and, and and he goes and he goes why don't you catch somebody black and they go well it's world war ii and he goes yeah but there weren't zombies in world war ii either and so then they ended up going in and casting somebody black but that's the type of crazy thing but, that, but that's the thing they can they can see a bajoran before they can see one of us and that's the part that is so so i i tell people all the time like the what makes us so angry is the fact is the is the thing that I say happens all the time. It's like when you're standing online waiting for some something and somebody white might stand in front of you or walk right by you or ask to be next. And I'm like, and you'll say, excuse me, and they're like, oh, I didn't see you there. It's just that the whole Ralph Ellison thing is just so, you know, it's, pervasive. It's wild, thing. right? It's crazy. Um, I love the original Ghost in the Shell. Had there been no internet, that we'd have just accepted Scarlett Johansson as Ghost in the Shell. They can't do that anymore. I don't know if they, I would accepted it, but well, here's the thing: I didn't see the movie yet, but we would have. It wouldn't have been what happened. Yeah, the movie would have failed if the movie was bad. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but, it, I don't, but I, that movie failed because people weren't even gonna give it a shot. Well, you know, it, and it also failed though. It did fail for one other reason, because it it turned it it turned in on itself. Like because they were so aware of the controversy, they tried to re-edit parts of it and change the story to accommodate it, but it was paint by numbers. I have the same issue with, I have the same issue actually with um, Death Note. Now, even though Death Note was, cause I'm a huge Death Note fan. I have all the mangas, I saw all the anime, I saw like the Japanese musical. Yes, De Death Note has a musical. Mm -hmm. um, but the issue is with this, with that movie, they were saying, oh, you can't complain because we made L black. And I was like, Yes, we can, because if you know this story, you're going to realize, what, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there's certain things that L does and certain things that happen to him that I'm like, yeah, but see, making him a black man, that's going to be a bad thing. That's mm -hmm. not going to play well. Mm -hmm. And you're, mm -hmm. you're going to be, you're going to have a whole nother problem. So, right. and, and we were also, to, and the whole point of that issue was like, no, cast more Asians. Like, we gave you a black guy. You're happy, right? Whenever somebody says, well, there's somebody Latino. Right? That's good, right? I'm like, but I like all kinds of flavors of cake. I don't yep. want just one piece of cake. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, that's true. And they can't Very see true. it, they can't see no, it. No, they can't see it, because that's a lot of work for them. Can't see it, they don't know what to do with it. And they have all these predetermined, ridiculous notions. It's all it's all getting blown out the water piece by piece. It is, yeah, unfortunately, and unfortunately, like you said, like, and I have had, I've had to grab people before they start drag. Like, I remember somebody wanted to drag uh, Joe Quinones over his um, tribute to Beyonce with the cover of America, um, uh -huh. America Chavez. He, she, mm -hmm. he did like a tribute to her and they were like, who's up here appropriating? I'm like, stop, stop. Joe Quinones is Latino. The, the, the character is Latino, you know, Latinx. The, the, the writer, Gabby Rivera, is Latinx. And bye, right. stop. 
you know, right. because we're so quick now to drag and not <laughs> do the research. Now, you know me though. I will, I won't drag. I'll just, I'm the type of person that I'm not going to drag you. I'm going to say, you said you couldn't find anybody. I have a few people for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. And I think that's what the internet has done. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I and mean, they know more white, if they can destroy white, white, what do they call it? Whitewashing. If they can yeah. destroy it. Fantastic. You shouldn't. There's no need to do it. That's what I'm saying. And honestly, at the end of the day, there's this really, really, really helpful app that I use almost every day called Google. <laughs> and every now and then you can just do an image search and just right. find some people. You know, like, come on. It's really, but it's, it's tough. It's tough. Now yeah. getting, now one problem that, but diversity is not a problem that Montemagno has because you got no. black people, white people, Asian people, Everybody. all kinds of people. And they're from different, um, not, I was going to say time zones. No, they're from different time periods. Yeah. So, time periods. <laughs> yeah. The, we go in the past, the forward, back. We, um, you know, the books. The story itself spans over 3,000 years. So we have all the things that happened 3,000 years ago when the Mantamaji were around. And then we have, and it, but it, it's grounded in the present. Um, so yeah, and we have all different nationalities, very multicultural book. And then the new series kind of picks up in the same way. It starts in the present. Um, and this one kind of stays in the present. But what you'll find is that by the second book and the third book, it's the same, just a different, just a different rhythm, same, uh, that past and things right. and, and and everything that we learned in the first three Mantamajis, we're going to unlearn now. He, he heard okay. his history. He heard his history, but he only learned half of it. Right. Because he's the youngest and he really didn't have time to train and mama didn't have time to tell him. No. So <laughs> he's going to learn that, that, that his version of history is mama's version of history, but there's another side too. Okay. Now take us into bloodlines a little bit do we learn more about the women because i'm a real big fan of the the i know the, we do we do the we, in the book um so bloodlines picks up maybe two months uh after um the original series ended and i won't ruin it for you if anybody hasn't read the original series but it's it involves all the characters that survive and they're um the mantamaji have a sister group called sanctuaries which are equal in every sort of way so it's you know so he honestly, and them, i honestly think the sanctuaries are cooler because the Montemagi have to use that they have um, symbols and icons that they have to imbue their powers into. These girls just come out the box like what? Come on, like they <laughs> yeah. have bio energy that exactly. just blasts out of their hands. They were better because in the original, the original sanctuaries back in the day could do many different things. They were kind of more like witches. They could do other, uh, but because of all the events that happened over three thousand years for survival, they just concentrated on becoming living weapons. Okay. And so that's what they kind of have focused on. So yes, we pick up two months later and, and, and it's a flip now. It's kind of like, you know, the lead character Elijah was on top of the world, cocky, conceited and everything. Now he has a nightlife as a hero. So now he's losing. So now mm -hmm. he's the first of, um, and, uh, and the book kind of sets up some new characters and it, and, uh, and it tells a really good story, but it's a lot of setup for what's going to happen as we go forward. So yes, there will be much more sanctuaries as we go forward. Uh, there's a lot in this book, and and, and there was and a little bit of, of there was a little bit of something going on with the girlfriend too. It's like, wait a minute, you're not what we thought you were either. No, do we that, do, do you go into that? We touch on that. More? Okay, she, we touch on that. It has a, a great effect on her and how she um, uh, thinks about whether she should be continuous and continue with this in this position or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then we're gonna delve more into that. Um, yeah, we we we. Said she's something at the end of the book three, and in this next series, we're gonna learn that she might actually be something else. She's the she's the one. 
Wait, it's Sydney, right? Sydney. Yeah, yeah Sydney's Sydney. the character that reminds me most of like Misty Knight. Like, I yeah. am the cop. I am following, doing things by the book. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I look for, you know, I stalk evil. You know what I mean? Right. And then when it turns out all the corruption and everything, she gets the rug pulled out from under her. She still has her own values and stuff that she sticks to, which is really cool. And she has. She also happens to have a man who has superpowers and is, has issues with that. So right, that's yeah, a rocky yeah. relationship right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which makes which which makes for a fun little adventure. But in the end, what you really think about when you get through the first series, you realize that she kind of has. It's they're both kind of going on the hero's journey. Yeah, you know? and this and we'll, is a very interesting origin story because I really thought it was just Matamaji was just his going to be his origin story, but it's almost it's a few people's. Yeah, yeah, and that was the idea. I wanted to create a world. Yeah. Like, um, and that was the whole thing. And then that's why I'm still trying to build on. It's funny because some people, like you said earlier, like, you're right. When Mantamachi first came out, it probably was like one of the very few. And there are more now. Um, but but I but I'm still trying to create that world. And that was the, that was the goal. Like the goal was always like uh, Lord of the Rings or or Spider-Man has such a like or Batman has such a rogue thing of villain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. they were the only comic books ever to have a world. And so and I, that's kind of what I was going for. And so I'm still doing that. Well, I think the best. I think the best comics and the ones that stand the test of time are the ones that have a really good foundation in their world, because mm-hmm. then the more books that come out with the world is explained well enough, you kind of get a shorthand with your fans. You don't have to give so much backstory because they get it. True. Yeah. 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 Now, do yep. you now comic book creating versus mm-hmm. filmmaking. Now, when you went and made the film version of Matamaji, now you kind of took, even though you had the three books, that short film was really like one scene, two It was scenes. one scene. That's where the that's where the director storyteller part came out because in all honesty, I really should have showed the girls too. I should have showed everything that yes. we had to offer. Yes, you should have. Um, <laughs> I should have. And, and by the way, if we do another short, which I think I may do, I just used up all my friends and favorites on the first one, so I had to crowd uh, on this next one. Okay. I'm doing just the girls. Yeah, I'm doing their story, doing just the girls, and uh, and because of the girls, I have to cast some real actor friends of mine because um, Philip, who did such a great job, is really a stuntman. Uh, he did dancers. such a good job, but maybe you can uh, cast some dancers because those girls uh, have to do some stuff. Yes, so I'm gonna have to <laughs> cast some actors and some stunt, uh, lovely stunt women. Um, but yeah, so if I do, which I I know we're gonna do another one. Hopefully, I can have it out by November, December, by the same time the books come out. So we, I have to get on that next. Um, but yeah, that's the director in me that I had mm-hmm. to tell. Him. And so we did the the short is actually the opening scene of book one, so it has to begin, middle, and end. Um, so uh, that's why we did that. So the story is really him, and the beginning, middle, and end of his thing, and it gets people interested. And that was the point to get people interested with the book. But but as I look back on it, I go, I should have done the girls too. You know, if I was doing like a trailer, right. I, the director in me, I'm always going to be a director first. Uh, yeah. But I like telling stories. Now, you said you called on a lot of favors. Were these favors from crew that you worked with throughout oh, your years absolutely. of directing? Yeah, everybody. But, yeah, by the way, the um, the stunt coordinator did Wonder Woman. Really? Yeah, he did. So basically, they had an original stunt coordinator on Wonder Woman. That didn't work out. Uh, Wayne Kennish is his name. They brought him in uh, to, with another guy. And they did the stunts for Wonder Woman. Yeah, he did the stunts for Mantamaji. He did he did the steady cam when if you watch the short when uh Elijah, the main character, gets knocked out of his body armor yep, and yep. he's going all around. That's him on steady cam. Wow. Uh, and he did the staff he did the uh whipper staff fight. And they're, they're so fast. Like basically 
we had I storyboarded certain things that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And then got there that day, and because we only had one suit, we literally almost outside of where he runs and morphs, we did that took three days to do. That was each day. It was you know running in one suit, then running out of suit, put it together. But we shot pretty much almost in order, and we would just get to the section and go, okay, what are we doing here? And he would take the stunt guys outside for fifteen to twenty minutes while we light. And then he teach them. He and um, uh, um, the guy named Mitch. Mitch was the main coordinator. Okay. Who was the director himself. Fantastic guy. They'd go outside, figure out something, come inside and do it. That's and awesome. We shoot it. We shoot it. See, so. that, those are professional people, though. They can like really come up with stuff oh, on awesome. the spot. And they can look at the, like, the body types that you have and go, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's going to work. That's going to kill him. Let's not do that. Let's do right. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, at no time, even if he gets hit into a, he gets hit by a rocket launcher, and he had to fly into all these crates. And we were going to do that at the end of day two. And as he was standing there getting ready to jump off the trampoline, I was like, I saw a little rip in the back of the suit. And I was like, hey, um, is this suit going to survive? And everybody looked around. And we were like, we don't know. And I was like, okay, we're going to do that tomorrow, last thing. So we stopped. Uh, because that's all we had. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, now, um, now, between shooting it, and I know you're a director first, what creatively, though, I mean, it must feel great when it's your script and your stuff that you're directing versus somebody else's script. Well, that's where I was weird. I'm a little weird. Really? Um, I like taking other people's stuff and trying to shoot it and add something that they didn't think of. Okay. Like I, re- I enjoy that just as much as I do my own, um, probably because I direct a lot more than I write and because... The comic book process is such a slow process and directing is such a faster process. That's I true. Or, so I, uh, which is kind of why I like TV because um, I originally wanted to do movies when I came out here and I still do um, uh, because I get to do that. And that's why I, like, I'm so excited about the fall. Um, every show I'm doing is a completely different genre oh, or wow. a completely different network. Uh, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm excited about that because that's the whole thing I love of going in and trying to like become in this world, figure out this world, and then put your own spin on the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't know. I, 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 maybe that's why I'm a true director first, is that I don't mind not doing my own story. And it's probably why we haven't never pitched Bantamaji lit outside of the comic book world, because I haven't found the script or actually sat down with anybody to, to perfectly create the script. That's a combination of taking my comic books and taking out... One thing is comic books are... You know, I realize this is even we're shooting short. Comic yeah. books are dimensional yeah something is three-dimensional mm-hmm. that work dialogue wise in the comic book which i've gotten pretty good at in graphic novel don't necessarily work if it's real people talk no uh, i think watchmen taught us that yeah yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there were things me, that they went page by page and panel by panel i'm like no that's work. not gonna work <laughs> no it doesn't work um and visually that movie was fantastic yeah, but, but you're right it's just certain doesn't... things that i'm like no 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 this can't work because that was not meant for this medium no, it wasn't. So I, I think when I find the writer who can take the book with me and then totally make it a TV show, mm-hmm. then yeah, you know, then I'll then then I'll go out and pitch it and all that. Um, I'm, I would imagine we probably do that this year, but it wasn't. So never... you, so you do want to see Montemagio as a TV show or a film or a? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, here's the thing: if it's a movie, you gotta get somebody else to completely write it because once you write a graphic novel that's this long. Yeah. I not even in frame. Yeah. Cut it down to two hours. When you watch Wonder Woman, if you go see Wonder Woman again, watch the first 30 minutes. Gal Godot said three lines. Yes, she did. First 30 minutes, because that's a movie. 
Yeah. The movie, you only got two hours, you got to keep moving. TV series, she probably would have had long speeches and, you know, like Supergirl, like long moments and all that time. I think that's why directors are flocking to like Netflix. Because they can, yeah. like, oh, I get to do 12 episodes with no commercials. So I don't have to, I don't get 44 minutes. I get an hour. You get an you hour. Know, you get, it's like an hour movie and I can. And not only that, it. even the way they do the process, they write all the scripts first and then they go shoot for most of them. So, so the, and, and the continuity, process. yeah, continuity stays together. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. 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 So we got to get you a Netflix. That's what we got to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Netflix, Amazon, because <laughs> Amazon sells the books. I'm all for That's all true. Of them. That's um, true. I, but I would, I would still want to partner up with somebody that, that's because even if I handed you my version of the, of the, of the first book, it's a two hour pilot and most yep. pilots are an hour. But if somebody says, hey, you can have two hours, I'm good to go. <laughs> now, have you thought about for this next short, have you thought about having somebody else direct it? Or you definitely want no. to direct it? <laughs> no, 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 you no, no, were no. like, no. <laughs> That thought's never crossed my mind. Ever. So somebody else could like basically adapt your comic to a screenplay, but you and I have anybody else directed. No, I want you. <laughs> like, no, no, now, this is my baby. Series, I, I want to shepherd some directors. And if it was a series, you'd be friends. showrunner. You'd be yeah, showrunner. yeah, yeah. Um, um, director, producer. You okay. still need a writing showrunner. Okay. Uh, if it's a series, then um, yeah, I don't need to direct all of them. I, there's definitely some, I have some directors I admire. I'd love to like, sit on set and watch them and pick their brain. And I have some friends that I would love to give opportunities to. I'm big on the opportunity thing. And I would like to shepherd some people. Because like I said, I didn't have really anybody that shepherded me. Um, so no, I was serious. No, I wouldn't have to do it all. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a director. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a director. Now, I want to really quick talk about just being the indie comic book creator Yes. For a minute and navigating that because I, I have this discussion a lot with people who are like, I'm anti Marvel, I'm anti DC, you know, I'm gonna ban all the things, I'm anti diamond. I'm like, okay, that means you're not reading any comic books. Stop. No. And my other thing, and you're also gonna hurt some other indie artists. So can you explain a little bit what it's like being an indie artist? And I know you are in some comic book shops. Are yes. you part of Diamonds? Um, are you being distributed by Diamond at this point? The original series was distributed by Diamond. Okay. The, um, new series, we have to decide. Um, I, you, those people that have heard, those people who said they heard indies, they have heard indies. Um, being an independent comic book creator is um, 10 times harder than being a director. <laughs> um, you because... Because you don't have a sales team. <laughs> yes, because you don't have a sales team. You also don't, you also are dealing with a stereotype that is so prominent I could tell you. No like wait. What's, what about, is what is that stereotype? Like, what exactly do they think? That it's less than. Uh huh. A hundred percent. So that it's less than. And by the way, and I mean this in a nice way. That stereotype doesn't just go for um, uh, people buying books. Some of the other comic book creators are the same way. Um, oh yes, just, I can name it's, some. It's really <laughs> here's the thing, and I, I have to say, like I, I've started to come to the conclusion that maybe I'm just naive because. As the same way I was talking earlier about the directing world and think not really I getting pigeonholed, I didn't realize the comic book world was the same way until I got into it. Yes. Stereotype. Um, and by, by the way, and, and to defend those people, maybe there, there were a lot of bad books in the past and that set this up. But there's a huge, like, I can't tell you, my wife and I always do all these conventions and how many people that we'll show the book to and they're just kind of looking at it like, or, or our, our, the two things that happen. Our people too. Our people will walk by you like you. Try, I'm not like I'm selling a mixtape. I'm not trying to sell you my mixtape. <laughs> Sit down and look at this book. Come by and look at the book. Yeah, guess what? You don't have to buy it, but take a minute to flip through the page. But there's like, if you're not Marvel, you're not DC. You get this. They put the hand up in your face, 
and they look at you like you're crazy. Like the look is about to trip me out. They look at you like you're crazy. You're trying to sell a mixtape or what you got is garbage. I'm not trying to get over on you. I can't force you to buy it. And if you don't, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But come by and take a look. You know what I mean? Like come by, take a look. So there, so being an indie creator is very, very, very hard. Um, I thought we did really, we did good in the comic book um, shops, which is the catch was we did great on Amazon. Yes, and I tell people because Amazon, the thing that people forget that can help them with Amazon, although I heard the cut's bigger on Amazon. Like Amazon takes a bigger cut, don't they, than um, they don't? Maybe, but by the way, I'm still selling volume. But volume-wise, you'll make your money. I sell 100 books a month on Amazon. Right. If you're only selling, Still. if you're only selling ten books or twelve books, then yeah, that cut's going to be deeper because right. of the of the volume. If you got, if you're hitting a hundred every month, and and that's what's so amazing. If you can get that momentum, Amazon is in how many languages and how many countries? You hit so your the reach is bigger. And I talk to people all the time who are like, I'm not selling on Amazon because they're going to take my money. I'm like, well, how much how much of you, are you selling now? None. Well, nothing from nothing is still nothing. So, <laughs> and, they, and, and it's I, by the way, I thought Diamond was great, and I think they're great. The catch is not Diamond. Uh, people want to blame Diamond. The catch is Diamond's connection to the comic book shops. Yes, and the, the, the whole pre-order, the whole pre-order, the pre-order, and the comic book shops. Assuming that when you have a guy running, that it's a superhero book, and superhero books aren't hot right now. Yep. But it's not. It's more than that. So, it's the connection. So now what I don't totally understand, and it didn't affect me, but I've heard is that Diamond sometimes turns people down because they think the book won't sell a certain number. What difference does it make? Uh, unless they, unless they, they're still taking the money out of the shipping, you know what I mean? Like unless they feel like they're losing money. I think one reason why you've been successful is you're still now, like when did Matamaji first drop? The first book? Uh, 2015, it's 2017. Right, it's 2017. You're moving 100 units a month without help. On, yeah. a, on Amazon. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that yeah. still says something to them that it has some type of staying power. The other thing that I think people are missing and that whole diversity controversy with Marvel and comic book own, uh, shop owners supposedly saying that, you know, diversity doesn't sell. I think re, I think reskinning doesn't sell, meaning making comic book characters that they've seen forever, black, white, Oh, female, gay, whatever. I think there's a, a clap back from fans because of that. But new characters like yours that are put out with quality, I think can really have some staying power, especially since, I mean, not for nothing. I don't, I don't see other comic book creators doing what you do. I have seen you on radio shows, heard you on radio shows, seeing you on TV, seeing you on Twitter, seeing you on Facebook. Like every time I see you, you are pushing this book you're not just like on twitter like once saying i have a book and then going on facebook nobody's buying my book like you are constantly pushing the book you have to it's a non-stop push um we're just kicking off that's why that's why by the way that's why bloodlines officially won't come out till later in the year because i have to push it and i have to have time like before i had um a really nice couple that was working with me out of out of columbus um but i felt that went kind of as far as it could go um, because I wanted to like, it becomes a time when you start wanting to expand. Is this for sales? They were helping you with yeah, like, yeah, selling yeah, it and promotion. promotions, Probably promotion, promotion. Yeah, okay. they did a good job. Like here's the thing: they, I will, I will, I will always be indebted to them because they helped set up the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, they couldn't expand the world. 
Right. Um, and but that's with any company. That's not like a shot on them or anything. Yeah. That happens all the time, and you have to make those decisions. So, and also, I felt like it's it's got to be me. You know what I mean? Like I have to. So I spread everything out now that I'm always the one tweeting. I'm always the one Instagramming. I'm always the one doing whatever it is. Is that the so, main? Is that the main advice you'd give to somebody who's indie, who's like, yo, yeah. I'm trying to get this book out there. How can I get people? You got to do it as you. You because have to do it as you. Okay. You have to do it as you because like. I, I, the best thing I have a, my own Facebook, which is private, just for me and show my kids. Yeah, yeah. I have my Mantamaji Facebook, which is great. Right. Twitter, I have two. Yes. I would tell everybody if I could do it over again, I'd only have one Instagram. And it would, it would just be Eric. DMC. It would just be me because I'm much bigger as a director uh, than the book, and I find that um, I'm gaining like I, every time I do a new show, I do Raven, I gain another thousand followers. Mm-hmm. I, I, if if they if it was just me, um, all those thousand people would see the book. You know what I mean? But only a portion of that thousand is seeing the book if they really invested and want to direct and now they just follow and rave and stuff. You know what I mean? Right, like right. The Mick or if I do Life in Pieces. Like, that, I, I would tell people, you got to be, you got to do it as you and make sure you're doing it because you're an indie, you're small and you want you want that groundswell of people's support which will build you up and blow you out. But what it's is, really hard. What has really. been the most surprising thing about being the an indie comic book uh, creator like have, um, you, have you gotten support from people that you were like I never thought they would support me like did that yes. ever happen I've gotten a lot of and, but the only okay here's a bad thing here's the hard part so uh, Van Jones yes. responded to my book one time right um, but it's just me so I haven't been able to catch up to him mm-hmm. then well you saw what happened it was before the election yes now yes now if I was a big company I could have I could have I could have locked that in real quick you know what I mean so that's a drawback, but at, but at the same time, he probably wouldn't have signed it to a big company, you know. Um, I find so, so that we're gonna put this out there right now. Van Jones, Eric Dean Seaton is looking for you. This is a, this is a shout out. If anybody sees Van Jones, get him to contact yes. Eric. Let's, call, let's finally have that talk. Yeah, he liked it. So I think the books or the short or whatever it was. I still have the thing. The the note. He's like, well, he's like, we need but, to talk. But you know what's I'm funny? Like, yeah, I would Van, love to talk Van, to you. But Van is also people don't realize he's a big geek. He yes. loves comic books. By the way, loves- by the way, you, I, by the way, the geek, ex- the black geek explosion is about to happen between uh, next. When does Marvel go on booth? Next Saturday and February when Black Panther comes out, you will find out how many black geeks there are. They're going to explode. They're going to explode. Even people always- who never called themselves geeks before are now going to come out the closet. And like actually, and we've always been there. Yeah. We just never had anything. Now we're finally getting something on their terms when they're ready to do it. So more power to it. But we've always been there. You know, there's statistics. Like when I first got in the business, statistics showed that blacks and Hispanics saw more movies per capita than any other nationality. Yeah. Well, it didn't, it didn't change. No. You know what I mean? We're still seeing it. We just never got anything because we A, we were either just the actors or maybe a director once in a while. Maybe you, the editor, maybe one. But we weren't in a decision-making power. Even to this day, on all those networks that pick shows, except for now ABC is the first one that actually has um, executives in the final decision making of what gets on the air. Yeah, it's 2017. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that took um, the executive that was you know worked with Shonda, who now I'm so sorry I can't think of her name. She's I heard she's a wonderful woman, head of ABC, um, to get in. Oh there. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yes, yeah. 2017. Come on now. Yeah. So the road is so long to go and so long to travel. We asked for more diverse characters. You're giving us more diverse characters now. Can you get some diverse writers? And, and I, I honestly, I personally want to see some 
um, people of color, black people, editors at yeah. some of these comic book companies. Because there's certain yeah. things, there are certain books and certain mistakes that would not be made had an editor been like, y'all, that's probably not a thing that you should be saying. Yeah. Like, ever. That's it's true. But that's <laughs> the editors in the comic book industry is the same thing executive uh, yes. producers the entertainment industry. We need more um, uh, to make a difference. Uh, but yeah, we got a long way to go. By the way, as, as excited as I am for Black Panther and Black Lightning and whatever else is coming, none of them were created by Black people. I, thank you. And that was something else I had to say. Um, the, the one thing... Now, see, I early on, <laughs> very early on, I was not a fan of the whole Black Panther thing. When it was first announced and mm -hmm. I started doing research on it, this was before... The whole Ava thing, this is before Ryan Coogler was attached to it. When it was first announced, there was nobody black on this thing. And the first right. script was not written by Ryan Coogler. No. And so I was telling everybody, I'm not going to get happy until I see some changes. Now, yes, it's all black, everything, and everybody's excited. And I'm very happy that he's hired. There's so many people behind the scenes. The costuming, the set design, all of the, like our people. Oh, Marvel doing it right. They're doing yeah. 100% right. But and, uh, but and by the way, that, that character was not written by us. Now, I will, you know what, actually, Trevor Von Eden is one of the original creators of Black Lightning, and he is black. So okay. I will say but that Tony, Black Lightning has that up on- I thought it was Tony, Tony, somebody, Tony, Tony Isabella. Yes, Tony Isabella and-, and well, I heard he's a really nice man. But, yeah, they both, but, worked, but they both worked doing, on it together. They're doing that right too, because I just read an article, uh, um, Salim, when they when he and Mara Brakakia uh, signed their deal at Warner Brothers, they were presented with it. So Warner Brothers, they're doing it right. They're like, look, we got this hot, really good uh, couple, produce, executive producer, married couple. Let's give them this and let them run with it. It's the same thing Marvel did. Go get Brian Cool. Now, there is a black producer at Marvel. I met him last year at the Entertainment Weekly Party. Really nice guy. I can't think of his name right now. Um, but um, they're doing it right. That's what they I told should. you, Highlander. There could be only one. Yeah, yeah, they're doing exactly <laughs> what they should do. By the way, Black Panther be the blackest movie ever since coming to America. Oh my they're god, they're doing it exactly like they should do. Yes. Um, but I've heard people talk about like we're gonna buy out theaters and stuff like that, and I'm excited about it. But I wish we were buying out theaters for Queen of Catway. Yeah, I know. I and wish we were buying out theaters for Slate. And, Slate, and so at the end of the day, as great as this will be, it'll still be on their terms. On, of the corp, I'm talking of the corporation that like me. Uh, it'll be on terms of the people who own it deciding after 18 movies they're ready. Now we're gonna do it right. They're doing it right, but they but they're ready. So so I wanted I, what I hope somebody. I was in an interview once just a couple weeks ago and they, um, somebody was praising the trailer and they said, "What are you thinking?" I said, "I'm excited. I know it's gonna be good." And and they, people laughed. I go, "It's Marvel. They don't make bad movies." And people were like, "What?" I, they, listen, you may not like all their movies. They're like Pixar. They're not. They don't make bad movies. No, like, no. Honestly, I tell, I I tell people all the time. DC is very good at doing their animated movies and their TV and and their TV. Marvel is really good at the cinematic movies. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, it, it, there's really only one animated series of Marvels I like, and I think that's yeah. Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and that's about it. Oh yeah, I remember that. But <laughs> what I hope, what I hope that the movie does, besides break all type records. I hope that it helps the next generation and the future movies, the Mantamajis and the and whatever else is out there. Because what can happen, and as has happened before, um, they can say, you know, you could go, well, Black Panther just opened it at 200 million. And they could go, well, that's because it's a Marvel movie. Because to be honest, Marvel could make a movie called Rainfall right now and people can go see it. The hero, <laughs> the hero just throws rain on people. Like, they, you know, they can do no wrong. 
And that's what happens in Hollywood. Like, if people want to know why it's so important that all these people that are watching your watching this diversify and get into this business and different things, that happens all the time. It's they us. will say it's a Marvel movie. By the way, I know that because I know someone that created something that was diverse and tried to take it out. And and they said, well, you know, and they said, Black Panther, yeah, but Marvel's doing that. Marvel's, that's only because it's Marvel. So that's what I hope doesn't happen. I hope that it opens up the door for more. But it means that everyone that comes out afterward has to be good. Because the moment one is bad, you know, two steps back. It's not going to be one exactly. step back. Exactly. It is going to be two steps back. And I there's the other thing I tell people is they have to keep their they should keep their eyes on a lot of um films including superhero films coming out of Africa as well as Korea because you know when you sit through those credits at the end of the Marvel movie and you see all those different countries where stuff was shot as well as where a lot of the effects houses were because they they they're cheaper. The, those effects houses are like why don't we make our own movie? They're the bomb. Those effects houses, the effects, the stunts, the stuff they're doing, it's incredible. There's a Russian it's movie incredible. coming out that's amazing. There's one, uh, there's what? several animated African films that I'm like, yo. But people people are like, well, it's not Marvel, not DC. Now, here's the thing. I get it for the non-comic book savvy person. Those are the only two, two names they know. But for people who do know that there are indie artists out there, I also tell people to start looking, promoting their stuff in different ways. Like, Think about it. I think the reason why your Montemagi has also had a lot of staying power is the same reason that Moon Girl has had a lot of staying power and the same reason that Miss Marvel has. If you look at their diamond numbers, they're not great. But if you look at their scholastic numbers, they're through the roof because it's a young adult thing now. Everybody wants the next, I don't know, Twilight. So that's yep. the market that they're going for. So you're, you know, if you fit that young adult um, model, promote your book to libraries, schools. You know, I think you have a curriculum to go with your book, don't you? Yep, I do. I, yes, we have two curriculum guides for the old series and the new series, grades four to eight and nine to 12. We're, that's why you asked me, I was totally doing that this year, totally, totally investing in it um, because it is something people can do. And, and best, especially, especially because the characters are diverse. There, is, there are no... Diverse graphic novels. Hardly. Not, not that many. They're like, well, it's a kid's comic. It's not a kid's book. I'm like, ask a seven-year-old the difference. Yep. They, it's a book with somebody yep. that looks like me, and they got powers. I'm, ha they're happy. You know. By the way, that's how most people learn how to read. By the way, we're in a day and age where we have phones, and all we're doing is looking at something. You need visual stimulation. You need a graphic novel. You need something. You know, the old time read. It's a different. It's a different age now. It is. You know? It really is. So. Well, I'm so excited that you took the time to talk to me, and I'm really excited about Bloodlines, all the stuff that's coming out. Where can we all find you? Because you just named, like, I got an Instagram, I got two Twitters. Okay, what's the best place for people to find you as well as um, learn about Montemagi? Just remember my name, Eric Dean Seaton. Um, everything is with my name, my account, Eric Dean Seaton, for Twitter, for Instagram, and Legend of the Mantamaji, which I would have to spell M-A-N-T-A-M-A-J-I. Um, you know, hit me up. Listen retweet and post and all that type of stuff. I can't tell you when they, the pictures that Entertainment Weekly put up of Black Panther, that everybody retweet them. And if, if half the people, if 10% of those people did that for an indie book, it would do wonders. Exactly. That's and what I, I, We're doing their work for them. They're yeah. already going to spend $150 million. That's what I'm saying. They don't know. Their marketing team, they don't have, they don't have to pay anybody. There's one dude and they're like, what am I going to do this week? I'll drop these two pictures. Yep. <laughs> and, and we do their work for them. They, they, they can spend their money on other stuff. 
you know, like, no, even we, literally, we literally do. I've literally found my tweets and quotes in other people's articles. Yeah. They literally do. It's true. We're doing true. all the work so I, for them. So anybody that's out there for support, we love your support. And for any indie out there, um, support them, like tweet them, give them, give them five minutes of your time. You don't have to buy them. Even if you don't, you know, if you don't buy them, if you don't like them, but if you do give them five minutes and if you still don't buy it, but you like it, tell somebody else about it. Tell somebody, you know, that would like it. Well, I'm going to be hitting you up for some of that new artwork so I can retweet, put on Instagram and show all the people. I will. Oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan. I'm, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on here. I really appreciate it. And thank you. And for sharing your knowledge and congratulations on all of the shows working director in Hollywood, oh, which yeah. is also a thing. Good time. A lot of blessings. Okay. A lot of blessings. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. Oh, thank I you. Really I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please comment, subscribe, tell your friends, and remember the link to everything below in the description box. Thanks again. See you next time, guys.